everybody. I'm your host, Dr. Ann James from DrAnnJames.com, and I present to you the Freedom Battle Buddies of Color podcast. This podcast highlights and gives voice to the remarkable experiences and expertise of women of color who are currently serving or have served in any branch of the military. I believe that these inspirational stories of triumph and trial will help other women in the military and veteran communities successfully navigate their own freedom journey. You see, my definition of freedom is when you embrace the mindset of doing what you want, when you want, without ever worrying about money. Listen in as we chat it up about everything freedom. I'm talking about financial freedom, lifestyle freedom, and everything in between. Before we jump in, go ahead and hit the subscribe button to make sure you never miss a future episode. So with that, let's get to it. Hi there, it's your host, Dr. Ann, and it's my pleasure to introduce today's guest, Makissa Lewis. Makissa is a proud veteran, having served 11 years in the U.S. Army, to include one combat tour to Iraq. Her experiences while serving in Iraq includes helping train Iraqi law enforcement and firefighters on how to safely treat and transport injured women. Always challenging herself, Makissa ended her military career and decided to pursue a master's degree in higher education administration. She went on to serve as the first National Education Director for the nonprofit National Women Veteran of America Association. In that role, she opened communication between community stakeholders and women veterans. For her continued mission of service, McKissa was recognized by Legacy Magazine as one of their 40 under 40 Black leaders of today and tomorrow. Currently, as the founder and CEO of the nonprofit My Sister Inc., McKissa has made it her mission to make sure South Florida women veterans are not only seen, but also heard. With that, let's get to it with my guest, McKissa Lewis. Welcome to the show, McKissa. How are you doing today? I'm doing quite well. How are you? I'm well. It's Friday. The sun is out, so I will not complain. That's good to hear. How's it where you are? You're in Florida, right? Are you in Florida? Yes, I am. Yeah, it's raining. That's what I it's raining? Yes. Oh, it was raining here a couple of days ago. I'm in Georgia, so um, it was raining here a couple of days ago, but the sun is out now. So right after this, I'm going to go outside and enjoy it. <laughs> Good. You have to enjoy your moments. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. But once again, thank you for agreeing to be on the podcast. Before we jump into, you know, talking about your experience as a woman veteran, a woman veteran of color, I always like to start off by asking this one question to all my guests because I love hearing the different definitions because I have my own. So I wanted to start off by asking you, how do you define freedom? Oh, yeah, that one was the heart of all. So freedom. As I put it, it's not a monolithic concept. It's basically freedom is to be able to make mistakes and be able to fail and be able to try again without causing harm to someone else else's freedom. So that's how I would just explain it from my own personal experiences. Gotcha. The freedom to make mistakes. I love that spin on it. A lot of times we try to avoid mistakes, right? In life. Right. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, how else will we learn if we don't try and maybe Get not succeed? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But having that opportunity to just even the free will to even try. Um, so, yes. yeah, that's nice. Thank you so much for sharing that. Hey, check this out. 
We just heard our guests define freedom for themselves. Now I want to take a minute to share with you what freedom, especially financial freedom, means to me. I'm Dr. Ann, the CEO of Financial Freedom Battle Buddies, and my definition of financial freedom is being able to do what you want, when you want, without ever worried about money. You see, I'm on a mission and I'm committed to helping members of the military and veteran community take command of their finances so that they can live their life of freedom they fought for and deserve. So if you're ready to begin your financial freedom journey and you don't want to go at it alone, I would love to chat with you about how we can start conquering money together. All you have to do is click the connect with me button in the show notes and schedule a freedom chat with me or visit my website at www.drannjames.com. Once again, that's drannjames.com to schedule your freedom chat with me. With that, let's get back to the show. So out of all the things in the world, Masika, what made you join the military? It's Makissa. Um, Makissa, I'm sorry. No problem. Of all the things in the world, it was simple. I felt I needed to grow up some, and I didn't necessarily feel I could do it in my mom's house or be it in my same hometown. So the military provided me an opportunity to leave home with a paycheck and for a lack of a better word, to be grown. Hey, I totally understand. That was my reason. One of my reasons, I should say, I wanted to get money for school, you know, and money to travel. But I wanted to do my own thing and be grown and get out of my mother's house. (laughs) Right. Um, Being the youngest, you know, being told what I can and cannot do. Look, somebody hampering my freedom. (laughs) So, yeah. Yes, I wanted to be grown. Did you join right after high school or what? Yeah, I did. To the surprise of many, I did join straight out of high school. Yeah, I was 17. I had to get her to sign the waiver to join me up. Wow. Wow. Were you the first one in your family to be in the military or is that like a tradition type of thing? It's not necessarily a tradition. I have Mm -hmm. an uncle who was, but I was her oldest. So Mm kind of was like a big step. And then a lot of people thought, I was going to do the academic route. Gotcha. But you was like, no, I want to be grown. So I'm out of here. (laughs) Exactly. I I get it. I get it. So what branch did you end up serving? Army. In the Army. Okay. What made you decide to go Army? I'm Air Force. So, you know, I always got to ask about all these other branches. (laughs) Army's the only one who called me. Really? turned out I Air Force, but Air Force never called, Navy never called, but Army is the only one who called to say, hey, you should join. So I went with that. Okay. And what job did you end up getting um, in the Army? I did automated logistics specialist. Hmm. And what does that entail? That's interesting. Supply chain, ordering parts, dispatching vehicles. That's basically supply chain. That's it. Deliveries. Mm-hmm. Logistics. Logistics house, making things happen, movement, right? Um, type of thing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I got you. I got you. Is that something that you enjoyed? How long did you do it for? I did it for 11 years and I didn't enjoy it. Mm-hmm. My practice psychology. So that kind of was the fuel for me to say, hey, I want something better. Mm-hmm. So I went back to that passion. But my passion is psychology, social services. Gotcha, gotcha. So you did that for 11 years and then you transitioned out or what happened? I had some bumps in the road. I did mm-hmm. transition 
I got one deployment. I did that. And then eventually ended in 2010. My military career officially with the bow and at 2010 ended. Okay. And how many years was that after, you know, in 2010 of service? In 11 years. Okay. In and out, in and out. It came up to 11. Okay. Yes. I got you. I got you. So during that 11 years in the army, you know, working in the logistics side, I want to ask you, how do you feel like being not only a woman, but a woman of color played into, you know, your time in the military, did you have any challenges because of it? Or how was that for you? Well, being a woman in the military is difficult anyway, but being a woman of color, I found it difficult because unfortunately you were not deemed black. I was not deemed black enough for the mm. black folk. So they didn't welcome me in open arms per se. And then the white folks if they did welcome me, they used me as an example, henceforth why I'm so insisting about the freedom thing. I was not allowed to make mistakes because if I made a mistake, all the Black people were seen to be the same way. So I didn't have that freedom. I was the example. I had to be perfect in a sense. I was supposed to toe the line. And then the Black people, because of the white people, felt, air quotes, Uncle Tom or something mm-hmm. like that. And then with the fact that being a woman, I was deemed that I was getting favor if I did something right. It was not because of my own merit. It was because I was a woman. So Mm -hmm. it was a non-winning situation. It did have some high points, but it was very difficult to maneuver through. Wow. You bring up an interesting fact, you know, that, you know, I want to point out here in that a lot of times when we look at the experiences of people of color, we think that it's automatically from a different race. Right, like from white people or non-black people, right? But from your experience, and I heard it before, but it's few and far between, you experience challenges within your own race. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Because you have to act a certain way. You have to be a certain way. And if you're not acting or being a certain way, you were looked at, they gave you the side eye. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I did the military route except the academic, but I still wanted to pursue doing classes and all of that stuff. That didn't leave me, but that was not considered a black thing to do mm-hmm. for a lack of a word. You had to do, a, I guess, drinking and going to the clubs all the time. That was accepted. But going to trying to get classes, that wasn't. Wow. Wow. What did you do to address or overcome, you know, face those challenges, you know, day in? What did you do to deal (laughs) with it besides cuss posts? (laughs) I didn't deal with it. That's the sad thing. Mm. And I'm dealing with it now, but I didn't deal with it. Kind of suppressed it. Like you kept it moving, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Not necessarily kept it moving, but I kind of also bit of myself. I figured, mm. okay, so I lost what made me me. So I conformed mm. and everything. So I don't think that was the healthy way. I guess the only thing that kind of saved me was the fact that I did have that need for education. So at the end of the day, I still had that to fall back on. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. You lost a bit of yourself. That's yeah. deep. 
I mean, and it's understand, understandable. <laughs> yeah, recognizing I, that is a, one of the key things that a lot of us females don't tend to realize that you lost yourself, so you need to get it back. Yeah. Yeah. We're forced to conform, as you said. Yes. Right? Conform so much so we don't lose who we were <laughs> in the process or who we are supposed to be um, exactly. in the process. And when we're no longer in that environment, of, you know, in the military where we somehow was trying to fit in, but we don't fit in, but we've conformed, you know, and 11 years is a long time to conform, to go against your natural being, your natural self. So that when we're no longer in that environment, when we transition, whether it was voluntary or involuntary, that's when some of those things, you know, starts to surface or like you said, become more aware of it and that you start dealing with, you know, years after the fact um, from following you. Yeah. So I know that you are an advocate for women veterans. I mean, you're out here in those in these veteran streets. I appreciate that. Yeah, just doing the thing, you know. So um, share with us just some of the things that you are doing on behalf of women veterans, your organization, and how that all came to be. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, call my sister. And basically, when I came out, I didn't know where to go or who to talk to because being female, they didn't think we had any issues. And in mm. fact, that kind of is the same narrative today, which is kind of sad. But I found online there was groups where you can talk to other females and say, we've been through this too and tried this route. So with that information, I armed myself and I decided, sorry, adjusting. I armed myself and I figured, don't keep to this to myself, share it. Mm. Because too often when we come out from the transition, the female veteran get the information, but she doesn't share it with the next female veteran. So the same female, the cycle keeps on happening. So I decided to form my sister to be a connector of resources, information, and services. Because a lot of female veterans, not necessarily on the internet, but they still need help. Some of the things that I do is get female hygiene products for those who need it, because that's a big issue. If you're homeless, you don't have the luxury to buy hygiene products, but you still need them. Or I try to have workshops where they can learn about that. Hey, if you don't want to go to the VA to talk, there's the vet centers that are available to you. A lot of them don't know that. They don't want to go to the VA because they think they're in the business, but the vet centers are alternative that they can use. So I, I do things of that nature. And I always try to share the information, share the knowledge, because it doesn't do no good for me who's healing to see another person suffering. I don't mm. believe in that. So I try to go and give back. So thank you so much for acknowledging that, because that's my passion, just to help the next female veteran not be as lost as I was. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, I see you all over Florida, <laughs> you know, um, just doing different things and being recognized for that, your continuance of service. But I also want to ask you, why is it, in your opinion, I found that, you know, for whatever reasons, a lot of women do not identify with being a veteran. We're not as open yeah. 
you know, as men, you know, some of the men, they got their hats, they pin, you know, <laughs> you know, yeah. especially yeah. VA clinic or whatever have you, you know, men with veterans versus women veteran. And the fact is the woman veteran population is growing faster than the yeah. men. Mm-hmm. Right. I but I just it. wonder why that is, why even though we're growing and it's great that, you know, we're being recognized in our issues and our challenge, there's more services geared towards us. But why is it so hard for us or some women to recognize themselves or identify or announce, I should say, that they serve too? Well, I find there's a lot of issues, especially if you were in and the military provided you trauma, you're not going to want to claim them as a vet. So there's a lot of trauma. There's a lot of PTSD. There's a lot of military sexual trauma that a lot of females dealt with in the military and they were told it's their fault. And once they become aware and got out of the military, they're not going to go to an institution or claim anything of that institution that kind of did them dirty. That's one reason. I find another reason why that females don't want to identify is because yes, there is a lot of resources, but there's also a lot of resources for just being a female. At least in Florida, um, South Florida, in the Tri-County area, there's no set female housing, transitional housing. Men have one. So if you identify as being a male and veteran and you're homeless, you can get transitional housing. A female veteran doesn't get one, but a female can. So you kind of play the odds that way. So the resources are there, but they're also not there. And there's not a sisterhood. Even though I do a lot and then I I managed to find some, you have to dig and you have to go through a lot of hoops and ask a lot of questions. And it's just so difficult. Whereas being a female, everyone can see you're a female. You don't have to prove it. You go with that. It's easier. So I find that's one of the reasons why. I also find that it's not that they don't identify, but sometimes when you go to the VA hospital, the female, even though she's saying she's a female veteran, gets drowned out because they wear the hats, they wear the shirt, they have the little dog tags, and the female veteran, though they're going, because I know that, because when I go for my appointment, I just want to go to my appointment. I don't want to show the world everything that, like, I'm a female veteran. I just want to go. But the male veteran, they want to brag about it. Maybe that's their glory days. I don't know. But mm-hmm. me just gets, what's, I get lost in the sauce because there's a veteran, a male veteran who's louder than me. So I wow. find that's why. But I find the MST thing is a big thing. Yeah. And they're still not dealing with it. They're still not dealing with it accurately because they gave a wall after the Gillian thing. I'm so sorry, but I get yeah. on that. Please. They did yeah. a wall at Fort Hood. And if you're a female and you're about to transition and you see all they got was a wall, you're not going to be inclined to say much because all you get is a wall. A wall don't really help you. They still haven't passed laws or anything to protect females. They haven't. Even though they say they care, they didn't do the laws. It shouldn't be that difficult. But they're making it difficult. 
And if you're doing that, then a female veteran is not going to want to say, hey, I'm a female veteran with that going on. So, sorry. No, sis, no reason to apologize. That's what we're all about here. We're keeping it real because, it, like you said, we're being drowned out. Our voices aren't as loud as the men or whatever, you know. And it, yeah, it shouldn't have to be. It shouldn't have to be. But if we don't speak up for ourselves, as you can tell, ain't nobody going to do it, right? They're going to, like you said, give us walls and to keep us quiet to appease us, be like, okay, well, they care, that type stuff. You know, as hard as it is, I think that you, you're using your voice while you're in the process of, like you said, you're still healing, right? Yes. But you're still mm -hmm. using your voice to impact others that hopefully one day that they will continue to use their voice. And that's like one of the main reasons why I started the podcast was to provide this platform for us to get on here and share our stories to use our voices not just for you know women veterans but I definitely believe that women veterans of color on top of that you can call it a double-edged triple-edged sword whatever you want to call it we have additional challenges that we have to deal with on top of all the other things that you mentioned the military sexual you know trauma PTSD dealing with folk coming about our hair, all of the wean black. And the thing is, like you said, not just from outside of other communities, within our own community. You ain't black enough. You ain't this, you ain't that. Really? We still dealing with that? So, exactly. you're, mm -hmm. look, you, you see, I'll get hype right with you. <laughs> That's so, I didn't even mention about um, the, the race thing, because the race thing is a totally... Yeah, it's also another issue, another can of worms, because they still haven't dealt with it. It's like how when they had the lynch thing happen, everyone was like, oh, my goodness, we have mm -hmm. to go get her. Mm -hmm. But there was also a black soldier that was with her, too, but no one wants to talk about it. Glad, yes, she got it rescued and everything, but they went with lynch. That was their. I guess, image of a female soldier, but we come in all shapes and sizes and they don't want to talk about that. Mm. And if that's how they don't want to talk about the soldier, then a female veteran definitely not going to want to say, hey, I'm a female veteran. Mm. They'll just take the lick and say, hey, I'm just female. Yeah, yeah, that is so true. <laughs> but thank you for bringing that up. Thank you for bringing up some of the things that you know happened in the past with the lynch story that we may have you know forgotten about right it's oh, all part Johnson. of it yeah exactly Davina Davina Johnson. yeah yeah i mean to me that's kind of like the focal point i mention her almost every a couple of months so we won't forget yeah. he said that was suicide there was no way yeah that was suicide none none mm -hmm. and no mention of it. No mention Nine. of. And then the sad thing is, since then there's been more incidents. And yeah, I you definitely to, understand. Yeah, you have to still speak out because if you don't speak out, then they will think, "Hey, it's acceptable." And it's exactly not. like you said. You know, there's it does us no good to keep it. You know what we've learned, what we went through, our mistakes to ourselves. 
if we can share it and hopefully if someone hears it, they may not have to go through what we went through, right? Or they, it might help them to also, okay, even if they do go through it, it helps them to realize I'm not the only one. Exactly. You know, that that, so, that sense of isolation or that lack of sisterhood, you know, as you touched on earlier. So it's definitely so important for us to um, share our story. And I thank you once again for coming on the podcast. And if my listeners want to reach out to you or find out more information about my sister, how can they go about doing that? Well, I'm also on Facebook and Instagram. It's on Instagram. It's Mike Yankee underscore Sierra Echo Echo Sierra Tango Echo Romeo. Um, hopefully, your listeners know how to uh, read that <laughs> or understand that. And then, we'll put um, it in the show notes for the civilians. <laughs> Um, they're probably like what what language she's speaking but I'm just like I know exactly (laughs) what she's saying but I'll translate it for you (laughs) okay I appreciate it because then for Facebook is Mike Yankee Sierra Echo Echo Sierra Tango Echo Romeo and you can find me there it's easy to find me because I'm always talking about something or some issue because this past month, there was elections and things were happening. And if we don't, we can't be quiet about that. They're trying to take our rights away. They kind of so you can always find me posting something. And this holiday season, I probably won't be posting much about causes, but needing to check on your loved ones, especially with the thing with Twitch and everything. I'm going to be pressing that, putting that number up there, so people know that it's available. And to use, unfortunately, I don't memorize it, but if you need someone to talk to and you find me on Facebook, I don't mind listening. I don't mind being there. I'd rather listen rather than read that another soldier decided to take their life. I definitely understand that, sis, and I definitely appreciate you. Continue to do the great advocacy work that you're doing. Like I said, I see everything, you know, I follow you. I see you just finished some other type of training. I can't remember. Yeah, um, the suicide thing. Yeah, because I was so sad, and then that came in my newsfeed, and I was like, you know what? Let's get some training so I can go from a place of knowledge because I feel, like I said, my background, psychology, but I wanted to have a place of knowledge so I can help my fellow veterans in general, but especially female veterans. So I got the training and I figured, you know what? I'm ready. I'm armed and loaded to help. (laughs) Armed and loaded. Armed and loaded. Well, I appreciate you so much. And thank you once again for being on the podcast today. Thank you. So there you have it, everybody. Thank you for listening to another remarkable episode. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, leave a review, and make sure you spread the word about the podcast to your battle buddies. To learn more, please jump over to www.drannjames.com. Thanks again for spending time with us, and be sure to join in next time to the Freedom Battle Buddies of Color podcast.